Welcome back to Fun Fact. Hey, thank you. Tell us, is, is it is it more fun having a newborn <laughs> to be on the show? Well, I know everyone was worried, but I am indeed very tired. Oh, okay. Good to know. Because yeah. this whole time, it's like it's been an entire extra month longer than usual Yeah, before we found out that you were tired. That I was tired. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's all good. I uh, will perk you up with some facts. The facts are going to do it. And, you know, I've got a a extremely delightful newborn uh, baby. He's like yeah. five weeks old now, and he is mm. delightful. I uh, He's he's just starting to... He's like smiling and moving a little bit and doing some stuff. He's got a whole thing going on. It's it's fun. Nice. Yeah. Uh, does he have cheeks? Oh, yeah. he. I, they, I believe they are starting to be somewhat chonky. Nice. Yeah, All gotta right. get those chonky cheeks. You let you chonky let your daughter cheeks. know. I'll pass on the info. Yeah, the cheeks of chonk are uh, are in town. All right, so uh, I am again back two episodes in a row now to the best corner, the original corner, if not only the most frequent corner we visit <laughs> or at least that I visit. Yeah, we're we're clearly back, here we're talking about at Word Origin Corner. Word Origin Corner, that's uh I took yeah. it over you were away on, for a month on Allen Pike staple. That's now my my go-to. <laughs> no, my top corner is Scheme Corner. Scheme Corner, one of my oh, favorite corners. Again. Yeah, when I was uh prepping a previous scheme, I ended up uh, reading about a previous scheme for another episode. I came across this one and I had to share it. Um, cause it's one of those things that, uh, it's like a little bit in popular, popular culture people, I think most people have maybe heard of this, but then like, then you dig into it and you're like, oh, there's an actual story behind this as there is if I'm most I'm excited. of these little bits of things. So fun fact, yeah. the expression, if you believe that I've a bridge to sell you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm comes from the fact that a hundred years back, con men convinced greedy tourists that they could buy the Brooklyn Bridge on a regular basis. Really? Yeah, I thought it was like a thing from a story. Yeah, or a that, movie. Or a movie or something. But apparently yeah. this was a scheme. Man, the past was wild. <laughs> Schemey. <laughs> but he, you know what, though? I, we'll get to this because I'm very curious to hear about this, and this is phenomenal. But like... It, it, let me pose a let me pose a question that maybe we will have answered by the end of this fact. Mm. Are things really that different today? Wow, yeah, we have our own schemes, <laughs> and actually, in, in a lot of ways, if you go into like um like uh, most frequently used con schemes, mm. often they'll describe a scheme that'll have a certain name, and they're like, oh, but now this is done over email, you and it's this or whatever, right? Yeah, um, I just feel so like schemes where you convince unsuspecting people that. Uh, of things that they could easily disprove. Like the fact that now you could, you know, Google or DuckDuckGo or Ecosia some information seems like it should kill this kind of scheme, but I almost guarantee you it doesn't. You would think, so, but then yeah, it, so. it doesn't really. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about this particular one and then let's, we can judge and we're like, Hey, is this, would this happen now? Yeah. Um, so the most famous of these con men, George C. Parker, mm, um, Connie name. Yeah, a little suspicious. Um, would uh, what he would do? He'd set up within sight of the bridge, and he'd chat up wealthy-looking visitors um, freshly arrived in the land of opportunity. Because mm. this, so the 
1880s, 1890s. A lot of immigrants. Maybe 1900s, yeah. Immigrants, and of course, coming from all different backgrounds. Yeah. But wealthy ones uh, arriving in New York. The Brooklyn Bridge is this uh, amazing-looking monument that's just been built, uh, and it's, like, famous at that that point. No. Um, and uh, so it looks really cool. So people would come in to you know, various vantage points where they could, could admire the bridge, and he'd have an impressive forged document, multiple documents, showing that he owned the bridge and express that, you know, you could make a fortune putting a toll booth on the Brooklyn bridge, but he was just too busy to do it himself. You too know? busy. <laughs> he was too just too busy. busy. And he owned this bridge and he's like, I really should get around to, to putting the, this, this toll booth yeah. on, but I got all these commitments, you know, so I need to busy. be in Madagascar. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a very important business person. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm going to have to find someone to sell it to. Yeah. They can do it. This opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really, it really should be a local to that, uh, or it should be a, a someone who's here in the town that, that can supervise this because I'm going to be off doing even fancier things than owning the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. and okay. apparently this worked dozens of times. <laughs> <laughs> On multiple occasions, the police needed to go down to the bridge and remove one of these poor fools that had been sold. Oh, and then they would set up their toll booth. They're trying to set up the toll booth. And then the police would be like, no. Yeah, no, stop. No. And can you imagine the, the, the poor sod who had been sold the bridge and then the, they, they get everything together. They build the toll booth and yeah, the they put come. Them, spend the money on the bridge and then they spend the money on the toll booth. Right. But then they're so excited. Extra. Like there's some yeah, person of that ilk who's so excited oh, yeah. when the police get there to like show them, Oh no, 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 sir. <laughs> no trust me. I have the documents. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then no, oh, no, you don't. Oh that's, yeah. That's awful. You know, you were not here. Uh, it was during your paternity leave when I mm. talked about the Baron of Arizona. Mm, I did hear that episode, though. Yeah, and I feel like there's some. I feel like that guy would have enjoyed this. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 the big con, right? It's like mm-hmm. let's. I mean, arguably his was bigger, saying he owned like because I really think he would have gotten away with it if he had said he owned like a small part of Arizona, even a wealthy mm-hmm. part. But to claim he owned the entire territory, like eventually someone's going to look that up. And also, eventually, the government's just going to be like, "We don't actually even care if you say you own this." Like, you know, like, yeah. like we're not. I mean, this is like eighteen hundreds America. They don't. They barely care now. So <laughs> you know, I think I think you know you, you dream big or whatever. But I think when if you're trying to convince gullible people. In general, and this is part of the it's still happening today part, the bigger you go, the more ludicrous something is, the more obviously easily disprovable. I think the better your chances are if you're a schemer trying to scheme people. Yeah, you got to thread that needle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, it wasn't always about the bridge, uh, though. Apparently, he also sold the Statue of Liberty. Sure, yeah. The, I mean, the you Museum know, of Modern Art. Whatever. Ulysses S. Grant's tomb was a popular one. Interesting. Who uh, would pay money to go there? That's weird. Uh, well, I guess it was in the late 1800s, maybe. It was more. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess know. he was well-liked or whatever, but like, this is odd. Uh, but yeah, apparently he would sell the tomb um, and uh, and various successful plays and shows. Oh, okay. He'd be like, I'm the owner. I wonder how he did that. Did he like stand outside the theater? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, how did he even Oh, you like know? the show? Well, I own it. You can make a fortune with a toll booth in front of the show entrance, <laughs> but I'm too busy to erect one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 The mm-hmm. forgery. That's the thing, right? 
Yeah, apparently it was it was they were good forgeries. So, but there's yeah. a number of other people who would who would do the same uh, the same thing by some accounts uh, twice a week. They would sell twice those. a week. <laughs> yeah. You know what? What's amazing to me is that, like, especially in that era, that one of these pe- pe- poor people didn't then just wait for this guy, you know, and take it out of him. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I mean, I imagine he was baiting up a couple times. He ended up uh, the third time he was convicted of fraud. I, oh, sorry. He was convicted of fraud. You, you're very you were shocked, shocked to hear. I, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, but the third time, apparently, he was uh, uh, given a mandatory life sentence, and supposedly uh, was well liked by uh, the the guards and other inmates for the stories he would tell of his yeah. exploits. Yeah. I believe that. I mean, yeah. a good storyteller. I'm sure because he was conning people, and you know, had done a bunch of fun things. Mm-hmm. Spent the rest of his life in jail. You say? Yeah. By huh. by by the. That that time though the scheme, uh, the bridge scheme especially, had become infamous. So it, was, it became difficult to pull off. And apparently, the staff at Ellis Island would hand new arrivals cards that would say uh, that you can't buy the Brooklyn Bridge. So here's the thing, though. Here's mm. here, here's my favorite my favorite part about all of this. Mm. By by a lot, uh, if I'm honest, is that you tried to say that this was scheme corner, and you're not wrong. Mm. But I suspect suggested that you were on word origin corner. And you are on Origin Corner. You're on Term Origin Corner, right? Because the... it's if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. That's right. That's a term, and you just yeah. told us the etymology of that term. Yeah. So it's actually a crossover a corner. It's a yeah crossover episode. That's amazing. It's a whole. It's not just a corner. It's a whole wall of the <laughs> of the room of the podcast topic room. Yeah, that's wonderful. I yeah. I think okay. So first of all, this definitely still happens today. I don't think there's any question about that. Well, I mean, they have a tech, a new technology to to provide this exact service. Oh yeah, this is happening. Yeah, I mean, look at look at NFTs. But uh, I mean, you know, that's just like social engineering is just such a thing, mm-hmm. you know. And that's all this this really is. I think that you know, it's it's like a, a very visceral example of the greater fool theory, right? Like you just there was just always another immigrant coming, and you want to be in a place like New York for that because you know what's that fact. Here's a fun fact for you that is I'll never I guess I'm going to do now and 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 on the show if you own a, a diner or a lunch restaurant in Midtown Manhattan hmm. it's the only uh, apparently it's the only like service oriented business where you literally do not have to care about customer service you could you could be so terrible to your customers <laughs> that every single person who ever set foot in your restaurant said as they left, I will never come here again and I will yes. tell every human being I've ever met not to come here. And it will not matter because you will never have an empty seat forever because there's just so many people who need to get lunch every day in Midtown Manhattan. And so you just don't have to care. You do not have to have good service. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. yell at people and things like you this. Can, yeah, you can be awful and yeah. it just doesn't, doesn't make any difference. So, yeah, that and the, the point of that is the, that New York is a... Uh, has long been a good source of uh, people to to scheme to scheme. And if you want to scheme people, it's kind of like a, probably the mecca. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's a finance joke there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably more than one. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, is that are you? Is that the end of your tale? Uh, yeah. The the uh, then he spent his life in jail. Was the end? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't have a scheme related. Well, do I? Mm-hmm. Is this a scheme related? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you'll decide if this is a. Is scheme Is it a or scheme? Not. Yeah, is it a scheme? Not intentionally, <laughs> I don't think. All right. So, fun fact: 
Europeans used to believe that babies started out as fully formed tiny people who lived in their father's sperm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, right? So the theory is called preformationism. Yeah. And I guess it started pretty early on with Pythagoras, oh, which okay. is like pretty early. Mm-hmm. But he didn't come up with that. He just like started talking about the origins of peoples and stuff. And he actually had he had the incredibly sexist idea, unsurprising, that fathers contributed, quote unquote, all essential characteristics of their children and that mothers only added some material substrate, hmm. whatever that is. And Aristotle picked up on that idea and wrote about it a lot. And that in, you know, when... In the Renaissance, when the writings of the Greeks were rediscovered after um, Constantinople was conquered by the Ottoman Turks and all those people with their books fled towards Western Europe, the people in Western Europe rediscovered these Greek ideas and kind of like started from there, advancing them again. Hmm. Including the wrong ones. Very much so. Including a lot of the wrong ones, yeah. So in 1677, the existence of sperm was discovered, which I have to say, feels late. Yeah, (laughs) But, I mean, if you didn't have microscopes yet. I know. I just wonder what they thought that stuff was. Well, I'm sure they knew it was related. Yeah, I mean, I guess they knew there was <laughs> like, something there. They just didn't The know. existence of semen was known. <laughs> just, just sperm. I assume. I mean, didn't do yeah. Look it up, I don't but. know. It's like, the you know, like where the color blue isn't in any of all these old books. And they're like, could people see blue back then? Anyway, yeah, probably. So yeah. in 1694... A Dutch mathematician uh, whose name was, and I'm going to say this wrong, and I apologize to my wife, Daria, who speaks Dutch, Nicholas Hartzucker, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, he coined the term homunculus. Have you heard this term? I have. Yeah. yeah. So I had heard this term before as well. And this was his term for the tiny people, a man, I guess, that he thought lived in the sperm. And he even drew a picture, which I'm going to send to you because it's uh, amazing. Oh, no. That he... That... that People thought he, so he just drew this picture as like an idea out of his head, but people thought for some reason that this was like a thing he'd gotten like a from scientific. A, a microscope. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a thing from a microscope. Mm-hmm. Click on that link. It's it's wonderful. I actually really, really enjoy this picture. Man, let's see this thing. Oh, what? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. amazing. <laughs> it's something, no? Yeah. Yeah, I, I should describe. I should describe it. Actually. Yeah, you probably should. You should describe. It. So I'm looking at like uh, a teardrop, a white teardrop. Yeah, with like a uh, person's like sort of adult proportioned, semi-adult yeah. proportioned arms and legs, like folded up in it. Yeah, uh, and then two, what I would describe as like deflated, ghosty condom like. <laughs> But yeah, they look still, like condom people. But still adult proportioned yeah. people kind of dribbled beside it. Yeah, when I say men, I really mean men, not babies. No, there's they nothing they were there's nothing babyish happening here. No, they thought they were tiny, fully formed men. Yeah, but, which yeah. is incredible. So th- this Which belief, like I love that like you think even a little bit more, like that's not how the baby comes out. I know. No, I know. Like what what do they think what where do they like the, the layers of the it's so amazing. Okay, anyway, so, continue. So no so that's a great point. So for the next two hundred years, this was a widely held belief. Hmm. And the main debate, the hot topic in preformationism sort of Reddit, you know, subreddit mm-hmm. was between quote unquote spermists who thought that the homunculus was located in the sperm hmm. and ovis who uh, thought it was in the ova so okay all right that's what they would argue about 
Yeah. And then eventually the French philosopher Nicolas Malebranche, I guess, eventually he took it to the what I would say is the logical conclusion. And he was like, well, okay, but if these tiny people are in sperm, these tiny men, wouldn't they also have tiny men in their <laughs> sperm? And, 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 and therefore... Uh-huh. All the people who would ever be born or had ever been born were created simultaneously, presumably like in the sperm of Adam at the beginning. Sure. Okay. And this became the, this became the explanation for how original sin worked in Christianity. Oh, God. Okay. So they're just like, okay, so when Adam effed up, all of his sperm and all of the sperm of all of the people forever... We're already are all ruined existing. forever. You're just. This is why you're already born with original sin because it's already. You're already here. We could just damn you all at once, right? But then there's the questions like, wait. But then would eventually like how many layers deep did it go? Like when he was formed, would it say like a well, thousand layers? Essentially infinite. Oh, so it's like fractal. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. No it's it's, it's Mandelbrot sperm men size or whatever. Is Mandelbrot infinitely fractal? And they had no concept of like, oh, but then it would get atomically small and it would be right and and actually that became a thing later on like so when when uh, among the ways that this was eventually sort of deflated the uh (laughs) when atomic theories showed up there literally wasn't enough space of the smallest sizes for you to have an infinite recursive series of homunculi right like that there wasn't any (laughs) there wasn't anything to make them out of at some point like it got too Mm -hmm. small right so this also led to a debate that i find delightful that where people were like, well, people, where men were like, yeah. okay, but what? Why would why would there be so many people wasted with ejaculation of semen? Like you'd be just wasting people. Because you'd not only waste the people, but you'd waste the fractal descendants of the right. You'd be wasting an, uh, an infinite recursive loop of people. Talk about original sin. Yeah, that's right. So, and the the. You know who Leibniz was, right? Like the yeah. fairly famous mathematician. Calculus guy. Yeah, contemporary of Isaac Newton, may have invented calculus, whatever, whatever. So he supported a theory called panspermism. Okay. Which held that the sperm would instead be scattered by the wind and generate life wherever they found a suitable host. That's so like, pretty fanciful. That's incredible. So there's just like homunculi sperm flying around. Flying around, imp- looking for... Impregnating any any woman... Yeah, just like, and I guess, you know, at, during that time, there were a lot of, un, un, uh, you know, people claiming they'd gotten pregnant in various ways. Like, how did you get pregnant? This doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, it was it was wandering homuncula. Right. I certainly had no relations with anyone. Right. So it must be uh-huh. a... And and we couldn't know. There's no point in figuring out who the father is because it could have be been anyone. anyone. Yeah, so I guess it's a case solved. Yeah. And at any rate, does that person even belong to, like, you know, if they were all at the beginning, like, what, how much, you know, of me is even in there? So there's so, a scheme, by the way. At the beginning, we said, is there a scheme? There's, yeah. There's the scheme. There's the scheme. There's that, no, claiming, it's just, it's just flying him uncle. That's there. right. That's right. So eventually, so in the same way that you pointed out that, that babies do not come out as fully formed tiny men, <laughs> uh, so eventually someone, in this case, French doctor Jean Astuc, which I'm also butchering, pointed out that children typically resemble both of their parents. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, if, you've, if you've ever interacted with children and parents. Yeah, for even a second, you know, that there's, they look like both of them. So, but that argument, they worked around that. Do you want to, you want to guess how they pulled that one off? Uh, that there was an infinite number of homunculi and then the body would choose the corresponding no, that's a great one, though. You should go back in time. I mean, once you have an infinite number of them, then it doesn't really matter how infinite a pre-formation, it is. Or you should restart preformationism. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so the argument was that that as the homunculi pass from the sperm 
to the egg or presumably vice versa, they would pick up characteristics from the mother. They'd be modified in transmission. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's that material substrate that uh, Pythagoras was talking about. Yeah, but right. like pretty hand weighty, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So preformationism was the dominant theory of life generation in the 17th, 18th, and most of the 19th centuries. Wow. And only was finally discarded when, microsc- when microscopes improved enough to disco- for cell theory to be discovered. Right. They didn't even know about cells yet. Right. At that point, you're like, okay, we see this and we can, you know, we know this is not happening. But and like, there's not a fractal for, humunculi in this. Well, I mean, as far as we can but the, the best part. So in terms of like, you know, selling someone a bridge, the there were lots of people who claimed they saw with microscopes mm. in sperm these tiny people. Were they maybe just cells? Or Yeah. Who knows? By the way, know. this was they also thought that this was true for all animals as well. And I think all plants, like they thought everything worked this way. Hmm. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just people. Yeah. They, they, they thought it was just, it was just homunculi. I think they called them, what, it's like aminunculi or something for <laughs> right. animalculus, I guess. And, yeah, and, you know, it's, and, and, but like it was, it was some naturalists actually claimed that they could see miniature preformed animals and eggs and miniature plants and seeds and all of these things. They would, they would claim that they saw them, which I think is just like the ability for us to convince ourselves, you know, when, of pretty much anything. Yeah. And that's, that's like a lot of historical things will have like one or two accounts. And then it's like for 200 years, they believed that this thing was the thing that happened or that it was possible or whatever, because there was no uh, scientific rigor at all there was no concept of scientific greater the scientists were all philosophers right so like i mean you know the 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 theory that atomic theory superseded was descartes philosophy of infinite divisibility Mm. and that was descartes was a philosopher right right and like that starts with you know democritus which of course he also came up with the term atom um Although I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think he discovered atomic theory in you know the mm-hmm. five five. He just speculated BC that things whatever. might have been made out of really small parts. And he, he just thought right. he had this theory of everything that yeah that that everything was an, an atomic uh, went down to an atomic unit and yeah I guess he was right. I mean if you guess uh, if enough people guess enough things, right? yeah, it's like, like that Twitter account that posted monkeys. like uh, hundreds of different sports results and then right. deleted all the ones that weren't true and then they That's pointed right. back and they're like I'm an oracle I know. You know, now you can it's a great, it's a wonderful con, actually, t- speaking of, of schemes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good, especially with something like the World Cup or something they did with where there's like a very fixed number of you know, countries and yeah, yeah matchups. You just do all of them and no one is paying any attention to that Twitter account. Yeah. And then you go delete them before you tell anyone about it. But I think that, you know, the yeah, so we don't know all of the philosophers or we only know some of the philosophers that suggested that things were made out of, you know, the four humors or whatever it was that they thought that every, I mean, everyone was sort of philosophizing on what the universe was made of because they didn't have science. Yeah. It was kind of, it was <laughs> the best, it's the least bad way to go about it. Yeah. It was the science of its day. And you know, the, the thing about, about logic, about for, formal logic, which many of them were not using either, but even if you're using formal logic, it's very easy to logically prove something from a false premise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like Every step from that point can make perfect sense. It's still wrong. So, like, you know, there's a, much I, time was spent in those eras, uh, going through great rigor to prove yeah. something. When, like, one of the initial things, like, since God cannot ever make a mistake, 
And then they have pages of induction from that, right? Yeah, and you're like, oh, all of this induction checks out. You're really good at logic. But the thing you started with is complete nonsense. So, (laughs) like, you know, it's... But I just find this theory, like, especially that picture, but I just find this theory so fascinating. Just, like, because it was hundreds... It was, like, 250 years that the smartest, quote-unquote, people thought that this is how this worked. And it's just... I mean, obviously, they didn't have any way to know. And, I mean, it's better than some other things they could have thought i suppose but it's just like looking back on it it's it's just hilarious and it really makes me wonder every time i learn something like this i am so desperate to know what now we have we think of that way yeah someone's gonna be like could you believe that they thought that x y and z made sense it's complete and utter you know nonsense and we believe it now and i just think that's so fast i think a bunch i think quite a bit of our medicine especially pop medicine will in 200 Mm. years be like you know can you believe that they thought that like this was the relation in between saturated fat and heart health oh god anything with fat right like any anything with can you believe that they ate food with this amount of whatever it is in it (laughs) yeah we don't really they were basically poisoning they're poisoning themselves the minute everyone stopped eating you know this people lived twice as long those fools yeah they just didn't even know or things like um the ways that certain um diseases or medicines or things interact is just like completely speculated about um, we will know oh, yeah. that certain hormones or things in our body are yeah. really important, but there's so many times where you'll read up on it, you know, as you slowly get, uh, uh, I'm not old, old, obviously, but you get into your late forties or late thirties and, uh, you get into your late thirties and you'll like, Oh, get a medication for one thing or another. And then you can read a little bit about it. And it's like, the mechanism of this is not understood, <laughs> <You're> like, <"Great." laughs> like, but it works well. Okay. This is just like when you take, you know, when someone gets prescribed, like, a thing and then one of the side effects is more of the thing that you're trying to yes. cure with the with the drug yeah exactly <laughs> it's like, mm. oh it's like you have you have the you you know i don't know you have a, a cough side effects may include coughing yeah and you're like excellent what? but mm-hmm. what huh <laughs> yeah so and that's my where i would put my money down in 200 years mm. the things that it'll be quite like obviously we we've learned so much we've gone come so far from 50 years and the i would say there there's a vast amount of medical science and understanding that 200 years and people would still find extremely familiar but then there's going to be big holes in that stuff like what we eat and and thing and that kind of stuff there's also a tremendous amount of the way that like quantum mechanics and stuff like that works where like the entire underpinning of our technological society is based on things that no one actually knows how or why they work mm-hmm. and it's like you know and i'm not even talking about things like machine learning where you can't understand why the computer can figure this out like it just can i'm talking about like really fundamental things like is this a particle or is this a wave and like why does this you know how does this pass information between these at the speed seemingly faster than light and like why you know why does why do all of the known laws of the universe completely not exist in this other realm but it allows us to make really good you know semiconductors or whatever and like all of that stuff presumably they're going to you know it's like when they thought string theory might answer it all it's like at some point that the yeah a door is just going to open and it's going to be like oh Oh, my gosh this is actually how it all ties together yeah yeah exactly so i mean that's you know i hope we hope we're around to see that. i do hope that that is the case although when every once in a while i'll think it's a good idea to learn more about quantum physics and just to like understand it on a surface level yeah and then i think you know what this might just all be like fractal bullshit all the way down i don't know <laughs> i find i'm like a uh you know i have a, a hobby of mine is sort of like pop quantum mm. physics mm-hmm. i don't understand any of the math right but i like to think about the like paradoxes or the complexities involved 
And I just, you know, like there's uh, one of my favorites off the top of my head is there's something called Bell's theorem where basically like if two identical particles, I think, are ever in contact with each other, you can move them to the, you know, the opposite ends of the universe. And if you change the spin on one of them, the other one will immediately also change its spin at the exact same moment. And like that seems to defy general relativity. Is that, like that's like how, the um, entanglement yeah it, quantum entanglement maybe is is what comes out of this the, the, the bell's theorem comes from like the 70s i don't think they knew about that then but it's 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 like and maybe yeah maybe that's since been you know evolved on but i just find it like fascinating to just think about that kind of stuff and hmm. you know yeah well maybe one time i'll revisit it with like a proper book instead of just like wikipedia articles and stuff <laughs> no what this podcast is built on a foundation of, of wikipedia, wikipedia articles yeah and wiki how there's a limit once it starts to get to being formulas embedded in the page and then i'm like uh, i'm gonna have to <laughs> level up on this one it's probably a wise choice uh speaking of oh. numerous things yeah <laughs> yeah well, yes we were yeah. um fun fact there are about a quadrillion ants on earth I think this is so I didn't know that number that's a, I don't even know what that number you got to explain what that number is but I knew that there were just a a truly like skin crawlingly giant number of ants mm-hmm. on earth and I I don't know if you're going to talk about this but are they they're like apparently in like a like an endless like should be a a fan you know a sci-fi novel like war with each other there is also an endless ant war um i don't think all quadrillion ants are involved in it i think it's like specific sub <laughs> uh clans or, or species or whatever um there's yeah. a kurzgesagt kurzgesagt oh i love kurzgesagt okay. it's kurzgesagt it means it's german for to explain something quickly oh in a short manner. i always i always assumed it meant in a nutshell in german well, it kind of does, but the but there's nothing, translation. The little translation doesn't have anything with nut. I don't think it. so. Let me check. Uh, let's see. The in short is the Google Translate version, yeah. but it, it which just makes sense because Kurtz is short and Gazakt is to have said. Okay, yeah, so, so to have said shortly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a good uh, there's a, a YouTube video uh, you can. It's watch a great on, channel. It's a great channel, and then they have an episode on the Ant War, I believe. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, first up. There's a quadrillion ants on Earth. What is a quadrillion? Yeah, what is a quadrillion? Because I let's start there. You're familiar with a million. Nope. Although yes. it's actually quite difficult to visualize when you get up to those numbers, as you sometimes see when people are trying to have conversations about millions or billions or trillions in budgets. And it's just like, you just cannot, you just, your brain cannot really process how much more uh, a trillion is than a million. Like, it's just a dumb amount more. But I guess we'll talk about the exact Wait, so more. is a trillion a thousand thousands more? Yeah. So a thousand, okay. a thousand millions is a billion. Yeah. And then a thousand billions is a trillion. And a thousand trillions is a quadrillion. Is a quadrillion. Wow. So it's one, so a, a million, one thousand to the third gets you to quadrillion. It's one with 15 zeros after it. That's a lot of zeros. It's a lot of zeros. It's a lot of ants. That's a, that is a lot of ants. Yeah, and so uh, by like part of why this is fun and like sub fun fact slash maybe even more fun fact is that <laughs> uh, there are so many ants that by mass, like if you were to weigh them all, they weigh about as much as humans do. Oh wow! Yeah, as much as all seven point eight billion humans. Yeah, and like like within an order of magnitude, like all of these estimates where they're like, how many ants are there? Sure. Like, 
challenging to do a census. How would you count them? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> They're not very good. Now you go to each anthill and you ask them. Yeah. And some of them don't want to say anything. And then there's homeless. Yeah. And, and then you have to go and send ants around to collect the yeah, knock on doors. Statistics <laughs> and then, yeah. Well, using but, statistics, I, I believe, is what they did to get the quadrillion ants. And all of these like numbers are like, you know, with plus or minus an order of magnitude. It was a really, really huge bar of uncertainty, but sufficient enough for me to say roughly a quadrillion. Like there isn't like actually a billion. And then we were like super. But so we're, we are a big enough, bigger enough than ants that they're essentially not relevant to us, but we're still close enough that we can perceive them and sort of interact with them. Because if you get into like microscopic sized, you know, like dust mites and things, there's like a quadrillion, quadrillion of those, right? And like we just don't even, they just don't even rise to the level of our awareness. Right. And you could imagine that some uh, species out there that is as much removed from us as we are from ants would look at all 7.8 billion of us and be like, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of people. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. the most numerous life form, apparently, um, is our bacteria. Yeah. Okay. So how, how many of those are there? Um, there's 5 million trillion trillion. Five million trillion. So that's a. So that's what I'm saying. That is so much bigger, and they don't. We just don't. I mean, who? No one ever notices or thinks about them. Whereas you know, ants, I do. You know, encounter and they do exist. I think it's actually scarier or like more. Uh, it's it's more thought provoking or whatever to think about the ants because I encounter ants. I mean, I yeah, understand. Yeah, the bacteria are just like yeah, okay. There's like they're like electrons. Yeah, it's infinite. Who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Whereas ants are a thing that I regularly encounter. Yeah. And if you ever had your ant, if you ever if you've ever had a house that had, you know, seasonal ant oh, yeah. infestations, which is extremely common here, it does not appear to be in this house, which is awesome, but in our last house we had like real ant problems every year and, you know, suddenly the idea that there's an infinite number of ants is not hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah. they just keep coming. They just keep coming. If there's just, if there's just, some path that they've smelled endless. out, yeah, the ant the ant roads or whatever. Yeah, and it's just they're just they're just doing their ant thing. Yeah, I went on a serious ant battle this past summer. It, yeah, I believe it. There's just it's and but so, I mean you know and they're it, they're just everywhere and they're underneath us and the whole thing. I mean termites too, right? Like there's mm-hmm. just a lot of there's a lot of layers to life on Earth that we just we don't have to really think about most of the time. Yeah, and then you do, and then in your brain. It's blown a little bit. And then your, yeah, your brain is broken. Um, one final uh, numerous uh, creature fact. Uh, there is apparently, supposedly, okay. this is more surprising a to me than the ants, but it's not, a something, no. it's not something that I, you, we encounter on a daily basis, but it is unusual. Apparently, there's a ver- vertebrate that there is mm-hmm. also a quadrillion of. What? Yeah. Are they in the ocean? They're in the ocean, yeah. in the deep sea, and there's yeah. these little fish called bristlemouths that that bigger mm. fish eat. Um, but supposedly there's a quadrillion of them. And right, I've never but I mean, heard like, of them. there's a quadrillion. Yeah, of them. but I, I don't find that that hard to believe because, like, I, you know, my, um, Akiva has a like a pop up book with animal facts in it. Yeah, sure. And there's it's saying that like I think it's whales eat a million shrimp a day or something. Yeah, and you're like, sure, oof, oof. that seems true. And it's just like a million, you know. I forget what it is. Maybe it's a thousand or ten thousand. It's it's got to be more than a thousand is... shrimp. I feel like a whale could eat a thousand shrimp in one gulp. Yeah, it's it's um it's a number that is so big. I'm just like, how many shrimp are there? Like you know, like and where? How are they? How quickly do they breed? Like you know, like it's just th- th- some of these 
some of these cycles of life thing are just are just hard to even sort of contemplate. And the ocean, I feel like, is the one place where I mean, people are ruining it too, but it's like it's less ruined. It seems like there's a lot of ecosystems going on there that have not yet been encroached too poorly on by humans. So, like, if we're talking about vertebrates that are really deep in the deep sea, then you know they're more isolated. They're more isolated. Apparently, a blue whale can eat up to eight thousand pounds of krill a day. And krill, that's the word. And yeah. the, which is the little shrimps. And I, I imagine it's like quite a lot of krill per pound. So, yeah, it, I think it really was a million. I don't know. I'm gonna have to look at the pocket book. It seems but totally plausible. It just that's a lot of krill. It's and, a lot. You know, that's every day, and per whale. Yeah. So it's there must and there's millions of whales. Just the number of krill that have to exist is pretty. Yeah, pretty I think they're also. Uh, like in that order of magnitude, they're maybe not a, a quadrillion, but a they're quadrillion. in the like hundreds of trillions. Yeah, of, wow. of krill. But this the the fish one kind of surprised me because like I've heard of krill. Like if you're like, there's lots of krill, I'd be like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. So you've literally never like, oh, heard there's of lots this. of bristlemouth fish. And I'm like, yeah. oh, is that never a heard of the bristlemouth? Yeah, that that uh, <laughs> fish I totally know a lot about. Like, oh, I was it's, eating one for uh, dinner. It, they're, they're bioluminescent. Oh, oh, there's a cool. quadrillion like, deep sea bioluminescent fish. I, I like, never remember. Wait, so hold on. If they're bioluminescent and there's a quadrillion, like why? What light? I mean, are they just so far down that we don't even see that light? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think I don't think there's I, the vast majority of bioluminescent fish are deep enough that you can't see them uh, from the surface. Wow. Yeah, like not even close. The, uh, the, the I've seen a few different kinds of bioluminescence in fish, like the the famous one is the angler fish with the little dangling mm. th- thing. Of, yeah, yeah, it's so cool looking. It is extremely cool looking, um, and yeah. so I'm familiar with that and wants to like attract mates and things like that. But I had not previously read about, even though maybe it's common, I just wasn't familiar with it. That the bristlebacks apparently have a bioluminescence where they're so deep um, that. It's very, very dark. Like you, there's just a, a hint of daylight above them. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Ah, uh, so at the depth that these live at, um, mm. there's just a little bit of light if you look straight up. So like you can perceive that however many hundreds of feet up that there's light, but you can't see it. It's, there's not enough light that you can look down. So down looks completely black and up looks, well, there's a little bit of light and an interesting consequence of that is that a lot of predators will swim and they'll look up and they'll wait until they see a dark silhouette against the bit the bit of light that that makes its way down there and then they'll mm-hmm. burst up and they'll they'll try to eat the thing that they've seen and so what the bristle mouse do is they have bioluminescence on their tummy and so when oh. they're swimming there's just a little bit of of light so that they blend in more with the light from above them when a predator oh, looks so they're up harder, them. it makes them a less likely to be eaten. Yeah, it makes them less likely to be eaten to blend in with the light rather than to be a light source to look at things or for things to notice them. It's the opposite. I can't remember it. My apologies. But again, I am tired. <laughs> Did you talk about who eats these? Like, what are these the food? Are these a, a food source for someone? Uh, I imagine probably a lot of things, but it definitely talked about that other larger fish eat them. Yeah. OK, so it's, so it's not like they're that this is completely successful. But it's obviously successful enough that there are a it's quadrillion. Yeah, so it's pretty if successful. <laughs> if you've succeeded in making a quadrillion of yourself, that's pretty good. And of course, 
as we learned previously, all quadrillion all existed at the same original moment. So yeah, and all of their you know, ancestors and, and all, all their, of their infinite ancestors, descendants, descendants and ancestors. Descendants. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's all happening now. Yeah, but it's fractal and infinite anyway. So I, there's not that much difference between a quadrillion and a, and a thousand. Right? That's right. At that, at some point, it's it's all the same. Quadrillion fish here, a quadrillion fish there. Yeah, yeah. pretty soon you have real money. Yeah, pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should end the show or end the facts there because I have because we have some after up. the fact we have to after do. the fact follow up to do uh, on the the electric wagon journey that I've been on. Um, yeah, and I have some things to say about electric cars as well. Okay. So, so you know. you're all you're all free to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, no, no one is going to enjoy this. No one is obligated to listen to. <laughs> but me, but the, the two of, of us have been waiting for been this waiting for a long this, time. So. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, I uh, have mentioned a couple episodes, normally politely at the end of the episode, um, yeah. that w- we have been looking to get a uh, a bit larger vehicle and one that is electric um, to replace Yeah, because our, of the problem wagon. with the fumes in your garage. Because the dinosaur juice, right. Yeah, I've mentioned this a you few don't times. Want you don't want it. the dinosaur fumes it. in the garage. No. And it's no good. Yeah. And we need a bit no. more space for camping. And we've got two kids now and so which want a little bit bigger vehicle um and i was complaining that they weren't making any station wagons and i was variously complaining about various difficulties in this journey of getting one um but uh we have one now so i'm gonna, gonna tell uh you all a little bit about you bought a you bought a car we bought a car we brought you have a car we have a car a dino juice free uh emissionless wow vehicle. well welcome first of all welcome to the to the We'll call it the future. The future. It's still the future. future for it most is the future. Yeah, it's like welcome one or two percent. For me, it's the past. Yeah. But welcome to the future. Uh, yeah, it's good. So we test drove two cars. We test drove the ID four and the Ionic five. After doing a bunch of research, there's a few couple other cars in that space that are kind of like the um, sort of small to medium, really small in, by North American standards, um, crossover. Uh, type SUVs um, mm-hmm. because there's no actual wagons, but they're like the closest thing that you can get to a wagon. Um, the ID4, the Volkswagen, had uh, a bit bigger trunk, fit a little more easily in our garage, uh, and it was mm-hmm. a little bit cheaper. Had a rear windshield wiper, and it comes in better colors than the Ionic Five. So wait, so you test drove it into your own garage? I did. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I measured them too, but yeah, I actually test drove because it was like it was pretty narrow. Um, yeah, that's very cool, though. So the ID4 had a bunch of arguments for it, but we like the Ionic 5 more, so we had that. I mean, because it's so cool. Uh, it is cool. It's definitely, I would not, my instinct would not be to like get a more like out there designed vehicle. Like I would do that for normally something that's a little easier to change. <laughs> um, no, but I feel like the Ionic 5 is a very you car. It is a very me car. It is a similar it's golfy it is golfy i had a, a civic hatchback in 1989 oh it's totally civic hatchback and especially yes. i got it in the same color as i got my original what color did you get well the best car color that there is white oh god <laughs> what is wrong with you <laughs> well you know uh, casey liss has long been an active promote proponent of white cars. He loves white cars. He talks we about a lot. Uh, how no, he just loves them. He just I loves think. them, and he thinks everyone should get them. He thinks everyone should get a white no. car. Well, the the white came out of. I mean, I'm probably more predisposed to it because my first car was white, and I really love that car. And that this car is similar in shape, kind of like it has a bit, a bit of 
of same vibe going on, although it's substantially larger. Um, yeah. But when I'm like thinking about car colors, my algorithm goes like this. So at least as long as we have kids, um, a priority is for it to be relatively on the lighter side, color-wise. The idea being, which apparently is like statistically like shows up in crash data, um, that you're less likely to have someone hit you if you have a lighter car color. So you can have right, but th- there was a correct there was a correct choice here, and you did not make it. I'll just put that out. You there. can go with yellow, but that's a little bit much. But I'd say every, anything on the lighter half of the color scheme. And so for me, my preferred colors would be blue or uh, or yeah, red. The the lucid blue it was the choice here. That was only available at least in Canada on the very very top trim, the one that has a bunch of extra. Oh, the lim the limited. G- uh, yeah, in Canada, it's called something different. Ultimate, I think they call it. But it's like $8,000 extra on top of the next highest trim. And it had uh, a bunch of huh. mostly stuff that I didn't care about in that extra cost. You can get it. You can get that on the SE here, the lowest trim. Oh, okay. So in Canada, you couldn't get that color. The only colors they would give you were all these like variants of gray, basically. And Oh, wow. So so here, at least on Hyundai's uh, website, I could do gray teal black white and blue all on the lowest level yeah i would have gotten the blue or teal if they had had that. yeah of course you would have because yeah. that's correct um but when there's no red and then there's no yeah, blue white, yeah i am and I we just had a gray from. car which we'd only got because it was a used car and I'm like well pretty much My every car is, are so it's just very boring even though i would yeah. say that a couple of the ionic five grays they offer are kind of on the interesting side or at least like not just the same gray that every car has been for the last 10 years um but i'm mm. i'm pretty i couldn't really bring myself to get a gray car new um and so when you can pay you know i don't know, just but uh so it ended up being white and it looks good to me i like the contrast of the the trim and stuff like that and I don't there know. are i am generally speaking not a fan of white cars like most sane human beings but uh there are some cars randomly in the last period of time that i think do look decent in white I, for some reason, kind of like the Model 3 in white, for example. And there's just a few cars that I do think work in white. And I think the Ionic 5 might actually be one of those because it it, it does have that contrast with the black. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you have to have to sell me, is that con- is that contrast. Oh, they have a lot of colors. So, okay, but uh, you know what? All of this is well, so said nothing about the car. It's white. What I want to know is about the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the software is way better than the, the Volkswagen software was. Not, I don't okay. need, we don't need to interact with the software that much in terms of... You use CarPlay. You use CarPlay right? primarily. Um, and that, hmm. well, the wireless CarPlay didn't even work in the demo uh, ID4 that we had. I'm sure there's some way of resolving <laughs> that, but it was just like, it was like hung and then the salesperson didn't know how to reboot it and then... So we couldn't even work, which like boded wireless CarPlay. Yeah. That's fa- you fancy. Well, the Ionic Five doesn't have. I don't know. I think it has. Maybe on the upgrade it has wireless. On mine doesn't have the wireless, but I'm happy to. I always was plugging in. Yeah, I've never had yeah. wireless. And, and I feel I like don't even I have CarPlay at all. Wireless so. stuff. I'm more of a. I'm more skeptical and intolerant of the every once in a while it doesn't work type of stuff. Um, which in general, yeah, maddening. there hasn't. I haven't noticed pretty much anything like that on the Hyundai. Like everything that it does it basically always does it or i mean we've only had it for a month and a half so there could be some exceptions but that we don't have this like oh yeah nine times out of ten it right. types of thing generally it's it works the software has been good um when we have had to use it um there's a lot more physical buttons for things than the id4 had or like huh. not just mention anything about the test that's unusual these days um i wouldn't say it has uh it is it is not the trend for sure i think yeah. out of all of the electric cars at least that i've seen 
I can think of or seen reviews, it might have the most actual literal buttons. It has a literal mm. button for everything that I wanted to do in the system on a regular daily basis, except turn on the heated seat, which in the winter is I do most times because I love warm butt. Um, but the <laughs> rest of it all basically has all buttons, and including some buttons I was kind of surprised that they they had. Like there's a button for brighter and dimmer dashboard. Which some people maybe adjust a button for yeah. That? How do you? I would say you adjust that once. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe some people like it brighter during the day and dimmer at night or something. I don't know. There's a button for it. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But I'll definitely err on the side of more buttons. I mean, the, the Tesla automatically has a dark mode at night. Yeah, I think it might have an automatic. There's a dark mode limit. It might be. They might have an automatic option actually too. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not. I'm sure it's not as slick as the Tesla. But also, they don't just like delete my defrost button sometimes. So. It's uh, yes, I don't care about that no, one at all. But, but there are right, but there are changes that I'm like, why are you not showing me the signal strength of your built-in internet connection anymore? So I don't know why I can't play the song. I don't know if it's Spotify or the yeah. like. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. So it's been good. In theory, it charges twice as fast as most other cars these days, which is uh, interesting. But I haven't done really any road trips yet. So I so how does it feel to own an electric car? Because you came from a like what do you how are you are you finding the electric revolution to be everything it was cracked up to be yeah so far i mean it feels good in a uh like privileged like ah i can just well, have yeah, this sure. nice uh, vehicle way uh it feels good in uh gas just has been going up astronomically and yeah, you bought it at the right so moment like, in time for well time sure. in like, terms of that um and i it also feels just a lot you know there's anytime you you're wasting uh you know it's like if you're your throw away a bunch of stuff that you'd, you'd bought and then didn't weren't able to make use of or whatever it is anytime there's waste at least for me and i think this is true for a lot of people in our generation you feel a little bit in the back of your head like uh, i probably shouldn't be doing this and i feel like any time i would drive especially any drive that i we didn't have to do like if you ha- if i have mm. to do this and like yeah you do it but anytime i drove then i didn't have to do there's a little bit back of my head that was like yeah, i'm kind of like wasting carbon emissions or whatever doing this um and so to just not have that at all and just um just i don't know have checked that off and and something that we can do um feels good and also it's just nice to have like a car that's 10 years newer than the the previous one and it and it and it drives really nicely too so yeah that's the thing it's like literally more fun to drive uh, yeah, the the amount of acceleration is unnecessary. We <laughs> we didn't get a chance to when you make a pre reservation. Uh, somebody told me on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> that we would be able to change all the options when the reservation came up. Oh yeah, that was not the case. I, that, that was not the case. I told you that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you that you were like, no, don't worry too much about it. Uh, you just put white or whatever, and then it'll be. <laughs> yeah uh you'll be able to change it uh that's a tesla thing so when the reservation came up it's like okay so we have this exact model whatever that you picked a color trim or whatever do you want it because if you don't want it we're gonna be able to sell it in like four seconds so that's that's actually my current situation as well we're gonna we can get into what's going on with me and cars as well if we want Mm. but i yeah that yeah sorry about that one yeah Uh, which is fine because i i did like think about it and pick the one that made the most sense but i do think in retrospect that all-wheel drive is overkill at least in terms of the fact that like it makes the car goes faster but it goes fat faster than i feel particularly <laughs> safe going uh, in like city environments uh in terms of acceleration like it's fun and i very much enjoy the amount of acceleration it has but i am almost in any never in any circumstance where pushing the pedal all the way to the floor makes sense so um it's fun once yeah. in a while i i mean you know even in my tesla like i don't do it 
that often, but when I'm like randomly on a very safe space, you know, in a road where it's just me and there's nobody around and there's no side roads, it's just, you know, like a connector from one thing to another, something like that. I'll floor it every once in a while just to remind myself that I can. It's, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely fun. I feel like the cost of going to the, uh, all wheel drive for how frequently it snows in, in Vancouver, which is only like a week or two a year. And then the amount of acceleration that the, even the, the rear wheel drive version had, is like probably just a necessary splurge. Uh, but other than that, the, that the trim has been good for us. Well, we've got the long range, but also then that's the other thing. And it's like, we've got the long range from this range. I just, think of never having had an electric car before right. and knowing that we're going to want to go on some, some road trips, but like we've we use like 5% charge on most of our trips. <laughs> so that also feels a little bit like maybe just getting the base model, which is like 40 in the low forties. And then with the, the rebate, it's like an $8,000 rebate in Canada would brings it down into like the thirties. And then you trade in, like, I feel like, spending the extra on the options is like easy to do when you're like, well, I'm already $40,000 in. Um, but it not, I'm like the vast majority of the benefit is just getting up to that base model. And then I think there's like a maybe slightly better package that gets you like a, a couple things. Mm. Um, that's like probably where the most bang for the buck is on, on these ones. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Well, I mean, let me, let me ask you this though. H- have you been enjoying, not having to go to the gas, like forgetting the price, just not having to go to the gas station ever. Yeah, and like handle the pumps. Yeah, and it's pretty great. Not work and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. the the plug in in the garage. Oh, actually, one thing I will say, uh, because you've, on many times you've uh, made fun of my dislike of uh, f- you know gas fumes in my house, I, I which have. is apparently a thing that no one else cares about except it, it me. Doesn't exist because yeah. literally no one has written in about caring about. No, this. it's just you. But that's but, fine. Uh, I was curious how long it would take for the garage to stop smelling like fumes. Yeah. Like it, and well, given that this is in your head probably forever, but I'm curious to hear how it actually went. <laughs> and it was like the next day. Well, maybe yeah. like two or yeah. three days. Yeah. I expected. Because it's not real. I, no. <laughs> it really, you really could smell it. And okay. like you could even smell it in the, like not as much, but like in the doorway in in the the bottom of the stairs a little bit uh, um but i would say it was within like a day or two and it's like oh there's actually fresher air in the well i because you get I, some I of the exhaust could not be happier for you it's been really nice and also there's all the little new things that like because i had a 10 year old car so like things like carplay yeah. there's a backup camera oh yeah the car just like hey. unlocks when you walk up to the car it's pretty great it just you don't have to push the button yeah because that was a really hard thing i had to do in my life it's just like a really challenge each day i'm like oh i have to push the button to unlock my car well so i have a qu- i actually have a really important question for you <laughs> you have two children i have two children yes your both of your children are still in car seats yes as are mine how mm. is the like height and accessibility and space for like getting the kids in and out of the car. How is that on the car? Cause it looks a little low and I'm not sure how big it is. Um, it's, I mean, substantially higher than my, the golf is. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Like by, by a substantial amount. Okay. Um, and so in terms of getting them, uh, in, uh, it's it's easier for sure. Mm. The doors open very wide. Ah. I was I I was a little bit surprised how like I expected it to be a bigger difference of how much easier than it like 
it, it's a bit easier than the Gulf to get them in. Yeah. I expect it to be more easier. Yeah. But one of the limiting factors, well, in particular, it's a lot easier with the the the, the five year old in the front facing mm. Um, mm. booster seat. Mm. But the two year old in the rear facing seat, um, the kind of tricky thing is that he's almost too long for it, mm. and so like. It's getting him in between the seat and the seat, so to speak. Yeah, yes. That's actually the yeah. kind of tricky part that's like, you know, using a little more like back leverage than was like recommended by OSHA guidelines to, to like getting Wait, it. Wait, he's in, two in and he's still facing backwards? Uh, I, I'm going to, we have to flip him. Yeah. Or, like it's like at that age. It's well, a no, size they say, and height he, issue. Yeah, I know. They say keep them fa- rear facing as long as you can. Huh. It's until the, until the weight and the height exceeds the, uh, exceeds the seat and he hasn't exceeded the seat mm. weight yet um for backwards but uh he's the his toesies are starting to touch this i mean akiva's you know what is it like two and a quarter and he's been fa- fa- front facing for a little while but he is a tall kid so maybe that maybe yeah. that's part of it now i'll double check the thing it's been on my thing radar in the last yeah. couple of weeks to test flipping him and so once we flip him then it'll be easier well congratulations he'll be able to climb in himself probably that's amazing yeah mm-hmm. i haven't yeah, that's amazing. So my my you know most of this will get edited out, but my car journey is that I still don't have a replacement car for my Model Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I, you still have the Model Three. I have I the Model Three, and I also have three reservations for three <laughs> other Again, cars. Just give me anything. I, give I me have a Ford. I have a reservation for the Tesla Model Y. I have a reservation for the ID Four, and I have a reservation for a Rivian R One S. And, you know, those are very, yeah, that's like a bit of an outlier on that list. with the Rivian. Well, that's the car we really want is the Rivian. But like trying to I mean, this whole journey with the Rivian has been quite ridiculous. Like, you know, we went through this pricing thing recently that you probably heard about where the car was suddenly twelve thousand dollars more expensive before they were like, congratulations, oh, <laughs> oh, we can't actually do that. Oh, actually, but, people will not tolerate. this. But to all. your point from earlier, when they reduced the price again, they were made it very clear that this is only if you change absolutely nothing about the configuration of your car. Right. So, you know, you, you up until this point with the Rivian, you've been able to change it whenever you want. Now, no more. I'm quite happy with what we chose, luckily, but that was a little bit like, oh, okay. Uh, the Tesla is supposedly going to be ready for us in June, hmm. but I just found out today that it would have been ready for us months earlier if we had been willing to pay for the $12,000 full self-driving scam scheme. Oh, geez. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. absolutely complete garbage nonsense. And apparently if you just go and try to configure one right now and you choose that option, the car will be ready for you like a week. And if you don't choose it, it's, it's just like a software toggle. <laughs> and it's literally a software toggle. It's, it's a not, skip the line software toggle. It's exactly. There's just, they just want your money. Uh, it's like, Oh, let's sell it to the greater fool. Because like every year since like, at least 2019, maybe 2017, Elon Musk has been claiming that full self-driving is absolutely going to be done by this year or next year. It's just like, I just, you're, if you buy that, I'm sorry, you've been, you have been swindled. Like, if I bought that on the Model 3, it literally isn't done at the time I'm going to sell the car. Mm -hmm. So like, what value would that have, that would literally have just taken money from me for nothing. But it's, at any rate, so... And then the ID4, they're just like, yes, you have a reservation. It's like, okay, cool, thanks. So the Rivian is supposedly going to be ready for us in the middle of next year. So uh, in the middle of 2023. In the middle of 2023. And then Daria recently fell in love with the new VW ID Buzz, the uh, return oh, of the van. Yeah, okay. But that won't even be for sale in North America until the end of 2024. So. I mean, that's like the car after that. Right. So what we're planning on doing, and this is a ludicrous thing that no one should do, 
and only made possible by a combination of the chip shortages and people being ridiculous when it comes to Tesla is to buy the Model Y when it's available for us in June, assuming it is, and then literally just keep it until the Rivian's available and sell it, mm. which is mm-hmm. typically an insane thing to do with cars, but for reasons that are stupid but beneficial to me, the uh, Teslas retain their value to a ludicrous degree. Right. So that that's our plan because what we really want is a seven seater. Like that's that's why we're doing this whole journey. It's not like oh the Rivian's so cool. It is, but it's mainly just we want a seven seater car because we have effectively four children, and so we're just willing to jump through ludicrous hoops. But like, if Tesla actually gives me a car in June, I will be slightly shocked at this point because it was supposed to be ready for us in November. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know chip shortages and everything, but like that's still pretty ridiculous. So I'm digging this. See. I've seen the like pre-release photos of it but now they have actual like this is the car that you're going to be able oh, to yeah. buy it's pretty great the the buzz the yeah little... the buzz looks shockingly cool they call it a micro micro bus is definitely cooler than minivan although yeah. it's really it's it just is a, a minivan. minivan but it's a cool minivan. it's a really cool minivan and you know an electric minivan is what daria wants us to own anyway uh, yeah. and I, I i'm more excited about the the rivian i'm actually very excited about it's like stupidly fast and you know, and also like at this point, I mean, the most hilarious thing about this pricing snafu is that now I could literally buy it and sell it the next day for twelve thousand more dollars, right? Like because that's yeah. what a new one would cost to anyone. So it's it's just silly and stupid. But I that's the car I'm mostly excited about. But I'm very excited for you and your ID and your uh, Ionic Five. And I, I if I could have, they they wouldn't literally wouldn't even let me put down a reservation for it. Um, but if they had, I would have. So. I'm they wouldn't let you put a reservation. No, you, they're so sold out in the U.S. that they don't even take uh, defund- refundable deposits. Hmm. That's not very useful to know that it's good then. No, not at all. Yeah, I can't. Oh. Uh, I can't get one. Well, double check that you can't pre-order one. Um, I want you to get the bus. I would love to get the bus. You can't the wait ID that buzz. long, though. Yeah. That's a really long time for me. You have now. two kids, and it's like years from now. <laughs> I The only thing I don't like about the bus is the name, the ID Buzz. Oh, that's why it's buzz because it's bus buzz. Yes, oh, yeah. Welcome to the uh, whatever. And it's because it's electric. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, that's more what I was thinking. It's a yeah. terrible name. I don't, yeah, and I don't understand these companies doing these sub brands anyway. Like, why the ID thing? Like, they're just going to be your only cars at some point. It just makes no sense. Well, but. apparently that's what they were going to do with like Ionic. Like, they were going to have okay Ionic, and then release all these various Ionics that yeah. are like the electric versions, and then yeah. have the gas versions with their previous names. But then they were saying. I saw a thing a few weeks ago that apparently Hyundai has been shocked at how much demand there is for the Ionic and electric cars in general. And now they're reevaluating and they're like, you know what? This transition might be happening faster than we thought. Maybe we don't need a sub-brand. They should be smart about that. I mean, you know, it's ludicrous how, I mean, these companies are so stupid. Like they think that people are still going to be buying gas cars 10, 15 years from now. And it's like, it's not not really going to happen, guys. Like it's not just that it, it... it's not just that electric cars are better for, you know, things that are true, but most people don't care about, like the environment. It's that electric cars are better as cars. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just better in every possible way than a gas car. And so, therefore, it's, you know, as the pricing has come down, once you get electric cars to competitive pricing, only a certain quality of person is still going to want to buy a gas car. And it's not the mainstream majority. 
I think that they modeled it as if electric cars had to be cheaper than uh, gas cars in yeah, order to get switched but they over. don't. But it's actually they just need to be only competitive. Like yeah, moderately more expensive is sufficient yeah, right. for a lot within, of within within a range within a, a reasonably shooting distance, and you'll get an up. There's still a lot of people where they will have to be cheaper, but it's so many more people uh, that you know even when they get close and there still aren't that many options, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so a Hyundai, I mean, this could completely change the car, you know, ecosystem for Hyundai, like who are already kind of rising anyway, but it's, it's, it's a big deal. And I, I think I definitely like the, they don't, do they sell the EV six, the Kia in uh, Canada? Why didn't yeah, you? it's rolling out? Uh, it won't be, there aren't any on the road yet. It'll be a while yet before I saw my first actual Rivian. I think, you know, this, I saw yeah, my first Rivian. That. And that was cool, but yeah, I want a damn car. But I'm gonna be a. You're just gonna and, have to like deal with having a Tesla. Uh, just another Tesla. Uh, okay, well, I guess fine. But I think it's interesting too that <laughs> Apple. Apple is. I'm just gonna ignore that. But <laughs> it, it, Apple is apparently building their car with Hyundai. Yeah, I feel like there's been enough different changes and rumors that I, I'm, I'm almost like, you know, I'll believe it when I see cannot it. imagine myself buying an Apple car, but you know, we'll see. I mean, if we think that I, as somebody who was just professing how much I like that the uh, neck has buttons, yeah. I feel like that yeah, would not be the right. strength yeah. of the Apple car. 